to Next in Nonprofits. I'm Steve Boland, and I am very pleased to be joined today by Jen Taylor, the founder of Deep Y. Jen, thanks so much for taking the time to come talk with me today. Thank you, Steve. Really excited to be here. Um, we were connected to, to think a little bit about uh, changes in a fairly big platform. I want to talk to you about Salesforce, but before we jump into nonprofits using some larger scale technologies, can you just take a moment and explain a little bit about DeepY, your mission, how you do your work? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so DeepY Design is a firm that works with small and mid-sized nonprofits um, predominantly. We exclusively work um, with nonprofits and public sector organizations, and we work in and around the Salesforce ecosystem, but most of our work is in helping organizations adapt their processes to their new technologies so that we are um, more of a full service um, helping you think through, how can I take advantage of this new system? Uh, how can I solve pain points? Um, those kinds of questions that come up when you're moving to a new platform or looking to solve problems with technology. And so many options for what could be happening in different levels of platforms, different opportunities. But the thing that uh, piqued my interest when we first got connected was about um, changes in Salesforce in particular, uh, that it has evolved over time. For folks that are less familiar with Salesforce, it is sort of the world's largest customer relationship management system. It is this big monster that is serving very, very large organizations. But they do have Salesforce.org, uh, which is now really focused on the nonprofit cloud as a way of talking about its service offerings to the nonprofit community that allows charities to have their first 10 seats of Salesforce licenses for free. And so many people are attracted to that free idea. But Jen, is it is it really free? Do I get to use it for just completely free? Uh, if you do, you're going to be in the minority. Um, <laughs> but, you know, there are some folks out there, uh, fair dues, that that they manage to do that. Um, no, we we in who do this work um, often talk about Salesforce as being free, like a free puppy. Right. Um, sure, your initial costs, um, there's no nothing out of pocket, but you're really getting something that is um, needs a lot of care and feeding. So there are absolutely ongoing costs if they're even if they're not the licensing costs, typically. But this tool can be used. I, I, I focus a little bit more in fundraising and communications, and there's a lot of mm -hmm. things that layer into that ecosystem from uh, the the base of what Salesforce is to using external tools to plug into that for that part of the world. But there's a lot more to nonprofit cloud than just being able to plug into fundraising and comms stuff. Um, as somebody approaches you to say, all right, I've heard about the Salesforce thing and we have a lot of data needs. How do you help them sort through what it can do versus what maybe they want it to be able to do and, and make some decisions about whether it could be a, a, a right solution for them? That's a, that's a really great question. Um, we... Really take the approach. I think the first thing to know um, in the Salesforce universe, there, there are actually a couple of, of core ideas to keep in mind. And, and as you were talking about that, that strength as a CRM, the, the links to sort of a communication platform and a fundraising platform, that's really such a, um, a powerhouse component of this work that a lot of the time we ask um, questions to really sort of center around are you looking to solve problems that are overlapping and expanding beyond fundraising? Um, are you looking to solve problems that are, um, for example, is your data siloed uh, in different systems where you have your fundraising data in one system and your volunteer management data in another system and your program data in yet another system? And yet 
the human beings that you're engaging with across those different systems are the same human beings. For some organizations, the answer is yes. And for some organizations, the answer is no. Um, where there is a lot of overlap between these types um, of groupings, Salesforce can be a really, um, really value add for looking at your data because it gives you a more comprehensive view of what all an organization is doing um, or excuse me, what all a um, one of your constituents is doing with your organization. So from that perspective, that's really sort of where we start from the strength of the tool. Because if you're not a good fit for using that tool, if if you're not needing to take advantage of Salesforce's strengths in having that overlapping 360 degree view, you might be bringing on more complexity than you need. And so that's really where we focus um, our attention in in exploring with folks uh, to see if it's even if it's even um, a good fit to, to to even start to explore. I, I really appreciate that complexity part of this question because it is why I sort of shied away from it with smaller and medium sized charities for a lot of years, thinking it's just too much, it's too difficult to do. Uh, and as Salesforce itself has been trying to communicate to the nonprofit audience a little bit more in branding and pushing nonprofit cloud, they've just done more outreach this year about this and and pushing that. It sounds to me like. Oh, now they've got some, you know, fully integrated, completely ready to go pieces that do what my nonprofit needs to do. They've got a fundraising solution. They've got a communication solution. That's not really how it's working, though. They have a home for all of that information that connects into other systems, but they don't have a native fundraising solution in Salesforce that you can just turn on and have forms in the website that automatically do recurring donations and reconnect donors that get disconnected and all that kind of thing. You have to make uh, decisions about how you're going to bring information into that data warehouse, right? That is that is exactly right. And I that is a really critically important part of the decision-making around Salesforce. It isn't that they, um, it isn't that they don't have or can't support fundraising. Um, they've been able actually to support with a nonprofit success pack um, fundraising components, the fundraising data, right? And your right. internal fundraising operations where you are going uh, for a one-on-one -on -one approach with a major donor, for example, all of that sort of um, communications and the attribute management and knowing the, the full engagement with that person, Salesforce is exceptionally good at that. But to your point, it does not have those built-in forms like you would get in a, um, a in some other fundraising platforms. It was not specifically designed and pre-programmed for fundraising exclusively. We tell all of our clients that Salesforce is a platform, not a product. And the difference between the two is that a product is a much easier entry point usually. Um, it is It was designed for a single business purpose typically. Uh, if you think about the other fundraising tools out there that you might have used, um, anything from, you know, Bloomerang and Little Green Light, um, and all the way up through, you know, Razor's Edge, those tools have um, behind the scenes, they have a database that's under the hood that was built to store data out of the way. You, you don't really interact directly with your data. There's programming that sits on top of that. And then you're inter interacting with screens that were pre-built to optimize your ability to do fundraising. And that's 
exceptionally powerful and simple and easy to use until you also need to do something else that it wasn't programmed for. Mm -hmm. And with a platform, you have more of a wide open sort of greenfield space. And, and um, you know, it's very important to raise that because that alone, the decisions, the number of decisions you have to make coming into a platform system is very different than the number of decisions you have to make coming into a product. And that um, particularly for, um, you know, how many of us in the sector don't wear 50 hats, right? <laughs> um, when you're, you're time crunched and you're, you know, you're making a billion decisions anyway, to have something else where you're having to make decisions that you feel like you shouldn't be having to make about this, um, that, that can be a real barrier, right? Um, and so it's really at the point where you have outgrown your products where a platform becomes uh, a really powerful and viable option. Um, but it's really important to kind of keep in mind the distinctions. So let me ask you a question about that outgrowing a product version, because it, there's some potential that you've just never really had a product to do things that Salesforce is capable of doing. And now that mm -hmm. the door is open, if you decided, I want to go in here because it does all of these pieces. And now I have choices of adding layers that just really weren't an option in any meaningful way before. Um, again, it, it feels a little overwhelming to the outside person to say, uh, I wanted to integrate my uh, fundraising and email communication solutions, and I wanted to have my opportunity management work. But now I've got all of this uh, program integration piece that I can do to really talk about the impacts of gathering information on clients we've served in the same data store but not in the same way that we're doing email or in the same way that we're doing some of these other things. And that that can be a little overwhelming, I think, to think about all of the ways that it can be done. I mean, I don't have any idea how many um, integration partners Salesforce currently have. Do you have any clue how many different places there are to connect to the system? Oh, wow. Um, tens of thousands at oh, a minimum. Um, yeah. Salesforce is really been on the forefront of um a, a long time ago they were on the forefront of of um api connections and and make, making that thinking about systems integration i think they realized early on that the value in a platform like they have is in being able to exchange data freely with other systems um and so that from that an ecosystem really has grown up so to your point yeah absolutely um tens of thousands of different things you can integrate with and it yeah. is it's a lot so if you don't know what you don't know, uh, how do you help decide on a priority of, you know, we, we came here for the program stuff. We needed a good warehouse to make sure we understood the impact of our programs and community. So we, we've got this great thing that allows us to collect information about people that we're serving and time that it takes to serve them and all this wonderful stuff. But now I've made that investment in understanding something about this thing. Where else might I go with it? And how do you help a client decide what those options are? I mean, fundraising is one thing that I know, but I'm sure there's lots of other ways that this can be useful if you've decided to get in. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we like like with any um, with any technology decision, um, a lot of it is about making sure that we're being thoughtful together uh, with our with our partners, with our clients um, about not just the what would you like to achieve, but what do you have the capacity to take on um, and helping people really think about their priorities um, and, and helping suggest, you know, um, it can be overwhelming when you are close to a set of problems to choose, right? If I ask you, look at all of the things that are causing you grief and heartburn right now and tell me the top three, 
Sometimes you can do that because those three are so severe that we just need mm. to get those fixed. That's our prioritization, right? Because if um, you come to me and you say, listen, I am spending three days uh, or a week preparing my annual reports every year, I immediately think, wow, that's like three to five days that you could be doing literally anything else, right? Um, annual reports are important, of course, but so is continuing to deliver your mission. So is continuing to, mm -hmm. you know, work with your your major donors, right? And so that helping people sort of think about their solvable pain points in terms of what the technology toolkit can bring, and then um, thinking about what's hard and what's easy. So you know, since we're we're talking about sort of some of the built-in. Um, things with Salesforce or some of the things that are uh, easy to connect. What's easy, for example, um, is to solve uh, reporting pain a lot of times. Um, you know, I'm digging through spreadsheets. Uh, okay, well, let's put that in a database. Um, mm -hmm. That that can be an, an easy win. Another easy win can be uh, I need to um, automatically put my donors on my mailing list. I'm doing a lot of double data entry. Okay, there's several connectors that make that possible. We just need to set that up and understand the rules. Um, whereas some of the things are harder to, um, or, or just more complex, right? We have to talk about your decisions, we have to talk about your rules, but then the gain to your internal capacity is such that it's worth pursuing that project. Um, yes, we have to set aside a little bit of time that we don't feel like we have right now, but when we come out of this, the reduction in our workload of this manual task that's not adding value to the organization means that we can start doing work that is adding value to the organization. So those are where we really, really focus, um, of course, and then bringing a knowledge of what all is out there. With Salesforce and other sort of platform-focused tools, the trick is you can actually do anything um, in it that technology can do, which is a little scary and overwhelming. Yeah. Um, you know, we, I always tell folks we can make it do anything but it's it's not cheap right so right. let's focus on let's focus on making it match your budget and your capacity and making sure that whatever we put in place you can also sustain over time um because that's the other important part with with any tool right if if you build it but you you it takes too much uh internal technology expertise that you're never going to have for an organization of your size then then that's not the right fit for you yeah, you know, I was just talking at a professional conference a little while ago about the the challenge in the nonprofit sector of uh, on a reluctance to spend money on technology solutions, even if there's a good business case for them. And we were only half joking when we said, you know, I'm not going to give you you know three to five thousand dollars a year in subscription fees to these uh, um, different uh, tools that integrate with Salesforce. Uh, that that's just too much money. I'm going to spend ten thousand dollars in staff time instead. You know, that's that's my <laughs> choice. Um, but it really does seem to rely on an understanding of how much staff time or other delays or problems are are coming up and realizing that when you hear about the free 10 licenses and you're very excited about that, there's not only the need to have the support from an organization like you know deep Y to think through these things and help integrate them but there's also almost certainly going to be some of those services that do have fees associated with them in order to make them work the way that you need them to work in the time you need them to work there's some free things out there um you know you can go to give lively for donor processing and and you don't have to pay for that outside of the 
cost of the credit card transaction. And then it it has a free integration to Salesforce, and that's great. Um, but I am not seeing anything in you know HTML email management systems that integrate in any meaningfully useful way for free. I, I, I just feel like that's one of those areas where I want to use this tool for communication. I want everybody in that database to be a potential pull for a specific audience for a specific message. But that part of this system is going to cost me something, even though I used to get MailChimp for free because I had fewer than a thousand records back when or whatever. Um, so I, I think I, I'm assuming you maybe feel some pushback from folks when you start talking about this part of the um, uh, integrated network is going to cost you this much money and this part is going to cost you this much money. Uh, do, do folks freeze the way they do for me or are people by the time they get to that conversation with you just a little bit more understanding about where that is? So we, we do a lot of work to try to educate people because um, early on in uh, our work with the Salesforce ecosystem and nonprofits, you know, we we learned a lot about um, sort of the the expectations from prepackaged software and sort of how how that cost is bundled versus what you're describing. And and early pushback um, came in the form of um, something that was really memorable to me where, you know, it felt we, we got reflected and it, it wasn't so much at, at us for our services per se, but it was more about um, that it felt like bait and switch, right? Yeah. It feels like here's here's a thing, here's this awesome thing, and it says it's the all singing, all dancing solution. And yet when we get to it, it doesn't sing or dance <laughs> without an extra fee, right? Mm. So we, we try to be very clear about um, exactly as you're saying, Salesforce is not a, um, is not a mass communications tool is not an, uh, a bulk email or a bulk SMS engine in and of itself. It is your your source of truth data for your segmentations into those tools. Um, those tools have uh, separate demands. Um, it used to be more separate technical demands, but now it's increasingly legal and regulatory as well, where um, you know, MailChimp and Constant Contact and, um, you know, even that class of bulk mailer have to comply with with um, GDPR. They have to comply with uh, can spam laws. Um, and and so that sort of technological universe is um, often best left to the vendors that know how to do that really well. Um, and so what you're really doing with a Salesforce ecosystem is you're choosing best of breed or best fit. Um, and you have a lot of choice. So there are tools um, you referenced earlier. There are tools that you can still um, get for free to achieve a lot of functionality. A lot of times the trade-offs are with, um, again, back to sort of complexity mm -hmm. um, and maintenance. And so where there are options that might be free, um, in in the Salesforce ecosystem, you have to be careful of the added burden that it places on your staff to maintain them. Um, so um, for the most part, we're looking in a category of tools that are more what we consider sort of low cost as much as possible, right? So there are a category of tools that can do quite a lot of integration with Salesforce that are more affordable for the um for the small and mid-sized nonprofit budget, but it's absolutely a shift to start to think about that. And, and to be honest, like it's really hard. They, they, they're then budgeting for ongoing operating costs and that's, mm -hmm. that's tough in our sector. Well, right. I, I think that there's uh, a, 
well, I don't want to use the word prejudice. There's a, there's a preconception about that cost going out, even though if we look at it, it, it maybe is only $3,000, $4,000, whatever in the world it may be. And that seems like a lot until you contextualize it against you know what what these systems can do with uh, on behalf of the organization's work that might have taken a tremendous amount of staff time if it was even possible before right. uh, to do. And um, that's hard as an adjustment to make. But once you get over that piece of it to say, what if your email messaging system didn't have to send the same message to everyone? What if you were mm -hmm. able to you know, really understand, I want people that, uh, I'll use the donor example because that's where I live most of the time. Um, I want people that that gave you know over $500 in the last year to get this message. I want people that have give, not given anything um, you know, for the last two years to get this message and, you know, structure, 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 but then the system should be able to connect to the place where I know what those donors look like. And I know how to use that audience creation tool within that other piece where it just would not have been optional to go, well, my MailChimp or my constant contact or whatever just doesn't know that it doesn't know how to, to understand segmenting donors. It doesn't have that information. So if we can connect that and do something differently and really start connecting with audiences around that, it's tremendously valuable, but it, it means you're going to pay something to constant contact in addition to the time to really understand the Salesforce world. And that can be challenging, I think. It, it really is. And I, I think this is where kind of getting back to the idea of an organization's capacity um, and pain points becomes really relevant to the conversation, at least for us um, and, and in my experience, because you've got every organization has um, a life cycle, right? Um, mm -hmm. Just like 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 a person does. And there there's no problem with having manual processes, with having your donors in a spreadsheet, with, you know, sending the same messaging to all of your donors until there's a problem. Um, and once, once you realize what that problem is and can articulate it, you're starting to feel some pain. Usually it's because your organization is, is starting to grow or trying to evolve. Maybe you have a new strategic direction you want to go in. Um, maybe you have a new fundraising initiative um, and you realize that uh, the tools that I have been using are actually not adequate to, to meet the needs that I have. And so it's almost like then you take a next step into a new set of tools that are solving a new category of, um, of, of issues. Those will come with their own new set of issues, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but with every sort of move that you make into more, um, capable, flexible um, technologies, you are also bearing, um, I, I call it the complexity cost. The, the more flexible an, um, a tool is, the more complex it is. And so you then have to plan to bear those costs for the tools to be successful for you. So, so there's absolutely um, much more than just the toolkit and the costs of the toolkit. Um, involved in the conversation, I, I, which I should say that more than just the, the subscription costs of the right. toolkit that an organization has to be prepared for. Um, and I think when an organization is starting to feel the pain of not having a tool that can answer the needs is when they're also uh, typically a little bit better resourced to put a bit more um, into their toolkit. Uh, and it doesn't have to be a huge leap. It doesn't have to be a, a, a massively expensive leap. Um, but typically it does have to be that shift in mindset. 
but it may require them talking to members of your team or, or other skilled professionals to understand what's even possible. I, I do still think that some organizations get stuck in, well, you know, preparing the board packet takes these things to happen, as opposed to what if those things were automatically sent to everybody on the board when, when the system had access to that information. And people don't think to themselves necessarily prepping the board packet every month is a pain. Uh, I mean, they don't, maybe they do think that, but they don't think to themselves, there's probably a better solution to this. They just think, well, this is the thing that takes up a bunch of time that we wish mm -hmm. didn't take up a bunch of time, but we got to do it. So off we go. You may have to help them understand those opportunities in ways that they maybe aren't always, even in larger organizations. I think that there's this organizational culture problem and that they just get used to, this is how we've always done it. And therefore that's how it gets done versus there's probably a better way to do this. So that, that brings me to this question about, you know, you've been looking at the Salesforce ecosystem for a long time and, you know, the evolution over um, the, the nonprofit starter pack, success pack to cloud to, you know, there's these efforts to try and make it sound a little bit more user ready. It feels to me like maybe it's a little bit more user ready than it used to be. Is that, am I just getting used to it myself? Is that why, or is it, is it in fact a little bit easier for less experienced people to begin to, to work the ecosystem? No, that's, that's a really interesting question. Um, I hadn't, hadn't given it that much thought until you asked it, but you know, I have to ask myself, am I also more used to it and more right. used to communicating about it? I will say though, um, that absolutely it has evolved and the, the people who have been maintaining and create, who created and have been maintaining the, um, the nonprofit product lines at, uh, Salesforce have done a tremendous job of listening to the community of being a part of the community. Um, I think a lot of the folks actually come from the community. And so what you have actually seen, um, you know, I can speak a lot more to the the NPSP, which is started as the nonprofit starter pack, is now the nonprofit success pack, um, but it shares the same um, origins. Uh, that has undergone such evolution um, over the last 10 years since I've been working with it, that at this point it really is for us it is a foundational piece. It's well understood. I would say it's a very mature product um, within this platform. And so while yes, it is still decisions that you have to make as a fundraiser, if you're coming into that toolkit, um, it is not the way it used to be. Um, there used to be a lot of firms, including my former firm had uh, what we would call accelerators or quick start pre-built code that got us over the hurdles of the things that were missing from the NPSP. And at this point, we don't, we don't have that. We don't need that um, because so much has been evolved and iterated over time that really it's a much more comparable tool now that speaks the fundraising language where it used to be people would ask, oh, well, what about this? What about that? And we'd say, yeah, we can build you that. Um, now it's, <laughs> let me show you, you know, now it's much more, now we're doing a lot of teaching and coaching where we say, yes, I understand that you're coming from sort of this language. Let us translate that into how the NPSP thinks about it, how Salesforce thinks about it, because that is still very different. Um, that split between, uh, organizations and contacts in a much more fundamental way than you have in, in other fundraising tools and has very broad spectrum consequences to how you approach and understand fundraising in Salesforce. Um, but that's not a technology gap. 
that the product is mature enough now that that it's a much more of a training thing um, mm. if you come into it kind of understanding. So no, I think I think you're spot on actually that it is easier for folks to get in and get rolling quickly, particularly on the fundraising side. I think program program is is for for those of us in technology um, like myself. You know, I, I come from a development full stack um, sort of programming background. And so I look at everything as like patterns. What can I program a product to do, right? Um, and what I've learned is that nonprofit um, service delivery looks like it has a lot of the same patterns, but the on the ground implementation is actually really, really different. Um, and so it, it makes it much harder to do a good product out of and much easier to do some of the things that Salesforce has done with like those quick starts. Um, there's now a platform that get you started so you don't have to think about it completely from scratch, but you're still putting a lot of your own, you have to put a lot of your own decisions, processes, and so forth into that. And I, th I think on the program side of the house that this, this might be a controversial thing to say, but you know, my very strong opinion is that is actually right and good. I, mm -hmm. I think programs need and deserve the ability to customize, um, to their unique program delivery and stay flexible and nimble um, just given the demands of what they do. That's interesting to hear you say. I, I think as I talk with program staff around what they want out of systems versus what they may need out of systems for reporting to funders or reporting to state agencies or whatever are often not the same things. And mm -hmm. uh, they feel very frustrated by um, now I need to have this other piece of information that I didn't even know I needed when I started this process, but now I have to figure it out. And I'm maybe asking for that in paper when I see people, but it doesn't get entered into the thing. And um, the flexibility of being able to adjust a, a program reporting model um, as it goes uh, is um, important to think about. I, the couple of times that I've worked with outside Salesforce experts around, you know what I really want is I want this machine to send me an alert every time a donation of these characteristics happens, because this is an interesting thing for me to learn. And I don't want to have to go in and search for it. And the consultant's mm -hmm. like, oh yeah, that's fine. I'm like, no, wait a minute. Mm -hmm. uh, what I want is these four steps to happen automatically. And for the machine to alert me, he's like, yeah, I can do that. That's, that's not mm -hmm. hard. I'm like, why didn't I ask you for that before? I don't understand if it was easy. It is those moments where the program staff may be going, this is frustrating to me that I'm supposed to be gathering these things and then funders change them. But do they come back to you and say, you know, these outside forces are acting on, it's not necessarily, this is what I want out of my program data, but these other things want, uh, you know, access to information. And they didn't even maybe think to ask you about it at the first place, because it's somebody else's demands and not necessarily theirs. Oh, all the time. And that, that's really the sort of, um, that is, that is the crux of why we got attracted to Salesforce in the first place and have stayed with it for so long. Um, you know, coming from a, a programming background where I've built in multiple languages, multiple environments, um, that sort of thing. What I find is that the problem that that I'm trying to solve, the problem that DeepY is trying to solve, and, and, and a number of, of our colleagues um, who are doing the same work, um, is, is not about the technology. It's about this friction point that you name where you have dedicated, hardworking program staff who are trying very hard to serve 
the individuals, whatever programming they're they're delivering, mm -hmm. and they have a set of needs to keep track of that they're they're keeping track of very complex information um, through often case notes and that sort of thing. Um, and yet the funders, you know, and no knock on funders, we need them, we love them. They have different um, they have different needs, they have different patterns that they're looking for, and so you not only get that the program staff uh, didn't tell you in advance because they didn't think about it, didn't know, but it just changes every year um, or it changes every couple of years because now a major funder wants a different thing or um, that the the sector has evolved and we need to start capturing uh, information in, in a different way. So the it, it's not to say that the fundraising side of the house is not dynamic um, and changing it's that I think that the tools are a lot more mature and well understood. Mm. And so that the change is happening within our strategy a lot more. And so we're doing things more like, you know, um, fine grained uh, adjustments to the toolkits. We're adding um, better ability to analyze patterns. We're adding more robust, more dynamic, more living uh, segmentation type work. Whereas on the program side of the house, sometimes we're, you know, we're adding entire new rooms to the house, yeah. <laughs> you know, unexpectedly, and then we'll tear down those rooms and we'll add different rooms. Um, if we think about, you know, your data system as, as your living quarters, right? So um, it's, it's kind of a different category of problem and having a tool that helps you be flexible in that, uh, it can be actually quite critical. Um, to the point you were raising earlier, though, about people not knowing what they don't know, I think one of the things that we find very important to share with folks about Salesforce is that often Salesforce is specified, a Salesforce implementation is specified by the people who need the outputs of the information. And so you wind up getting a database uh, system that is um, sometimes punishment for doing your job if you're a program staff member or a fundraiser, frankly, um, where you're doing all the real work over here and then you go and you put it in the database because you have to. Um, and it doesn't actually have to be that way. The thing that's so cool about the Salesforce ecosystem is that you can just as easily as you were talking about, hey, I want that alert um, for a donation over X dollars. Sure, I can go make that for you. Um, hey, I hate this screen. It's not telling me anything. There's a couple of different approaches to fixing that that come with the platform. There's There's some knowledge, right? You have usually have to have someone teach you how to do that or hire someone, you know, until you learn how to do it yourself, but there's no cost to making that change. Mm -hmm. So you can dramatically improve the experience of your end users through this platform too. You just have to know that that's a possibility. So you began earlier talking about, you know, the, the times when Salesforce may be right, or, you know, even as simple as little green light might be the right thing for some period of time. If somebody comes to you with that, you know, I can get 10 licenses for free. So I want to do Salesforce. I, I'm guessing there may be times when you coach against that idea, uh, even though you're got an expert team that's ready to help out if it's the right solution. But I, I got to think there are times when it's maybe not. And how do you begin that conversation with people to say, you know, Salesforce is great, but it's not great for everybody all the time. There, there's going to be some use cases where it just doesn't make as much sense. Do you, do you find people, you know, kind of looking at you cross-eyed when you say maybe not Salesforce? Absolutely. Um, and, and actually we approach the conversation very much as you just said, you know, this is a great tool. It's not 
it's not the right tool for everybody um, at all. And it's not the right tool for everybody all the time. And it's really, really important to get the right fit, uh, just like for, for anything that you do. So we, we try to explore, um, because we are so steeped in the Salesforce ecosystem, Arlen's is knowing what Salesforce does really, really well and what the ecosystem does really, really well. And so we try to ask potential clients, um, first of all, just what problems are you trying to solve? If what you're trying to solve is something that is much more suited to, um, let's, let, I'll give you a concrete example. We'll talk to um, EDs a lot of um, maybe they're new EDs of small but growing organizations and they're they're feeling overwhelmed with um, their their donor management and they need you know really a very simple and straightforward way to get some donation forms out there to m communicate in bulk with their donors um, and to know at a kind of a basic level you know some basic segmentation they want some basic reports right um, and they don't they don't have any need at all um, because they're required maybe to use a, a government system for their program deliverables or or what have you. They don't have volunteers. Uh, and I know I might be sound like I'm describing some mythic organization, but <laughs> I ta I've talked to several of them um, who meet these criteria, you know, this year alone. So they are out there. Um, and for those folks, Salesforce would absolutely be overkill. Um, sure, it can do the job, but it would probably make that ED miserable because that, that ED would have to put more into making decisions about what they want um, because Salesforce is meant to be that higher touch, that more, you know, customized, more power tool sort of a system. And in that case, you know, we would absolutely steer them to uh, something that is much more user-friendly um, out of the box, right? Without that heavy customization to make it really custom fit to you. We would point them to, to a range of tools um, and we would suggest that they get their hands on it. There's nothing better than trying something out. Uh, we're always happy to, to share a demo of um, particularly of the nonprofit success pack and show people around, let them really get a sense of it. Um, and and to compare that to your experience with another tool, because frankly, if you if you uh, get your hands on a tool and you think oh, I hate this, don't use it. <laughs> it's, it's not it's not worth it. There's so many tools out there. Many of them are very very good, and there's a lot of them for a reason, right? So you know it's all about fit for you at this time. Because if it makes you miserable, then it's not solving your problem. I, I just listening to you say all of that, I've just had this epiphany about one system that I do use where I'm like, oh, I hate this. And now I'm like, oh, wait, maybe I shouldn't be using it. <laughs> maybe you don't have to. Sometimes we have to use systems we hate. I mean, that's, you know, unfortunate. But uh, if you have any choice in the matter and you hate it, maybe there's an alternative. Yeah. Although, and and we're running a little low on time. I want to make sure if there's anything we haven't covered, you have a chance to um, uh, throw those things on the table for people to think about. But I, I think that there is a um, legitimate to be thought about uh, um, cost of transitioning um, moment where it's you know the if the system that the other system is better next year than the one that you've got, but it's maybe not going to be better the year after next or the year after that. I'm like, boy, you don't want to be transitioning these things every year or two that's just a lot of staff time and energy to get trained and understood and all the rest of it and maybe that's 
something to weigh into this whole question mark of when do you go to the more sophisticated solution that can grow with you? Maybe you, you bite that bullet a little bit earlier because you don't want to go to two or three interim steps that are, are maybe a little bit more user-friendly, but ultimately aren't going to serve you in two years or three years from now. And I think we, we want to be thinking about the total investment, not just in the cost of the software, but the, the people time and getting used to using it. Yeah, that's that's such uh, an important part of that decision. We often find that organizations shift to Salesforce when it might not yet be, uh, it might still be a little bit too big, mm. um, but they have a strategic plan um, or they have even just a tactical plan. They know where they're going. They know where they want to go. They know that they are not going to be able to get there in their current system, whatever that happens to be. That um, that is that is kind of an ideal time. That kind of longer term thinking um, on the on the converse side of the sort of what not to do. I see a lot of um, organizations. Maybe someone comes in new, or you know, they're just. They're, they're sick of the problems they're having with their old system and they just they just switch to anything um, and and switching to a new database will never solve your problem. Your problems are always about process and about your internal capacity and about your ability to support your um, your toolkit. And so sure you might have the wrong fit toolkit, but just jumping into a new one isn't actually going to solve your problem. And mm -hmm. so again, kind of bringing that long-term thinking of, what are we trying to do as an organization? What are the activities we're doing? Where are we going? Where do we see ourselves? You know, what, what does our strategic plan call for? Um, can the toolkit that we have support that? Or do we look at the pain points that we're experiencing right now? If I multiply that um, by, let's say, you know, we're hopefully very successful in our new fundraising strategy and we suddenly have, you know, double or triple the donors that we have right now, can I envision myself doing that work or my team doing that work in the tool that I've got? And at the point where you're like, oh, no, I actually can't, that would be terrible. That's a really good time to start looking into a more, uh, a tool that has more capacity to support that. Well, I am not surprised how quickly the time has flown, but we are just about out of time uh, for this conversation. Are there some parting thoughts or ideas that we didn't get to that you want to make sure you you lay out there for folks? No, I think that we've we've really talked about when we're thinking about the decisions around sort of your database technology. Um, you know, appreciate all the great questions. Those are really a lot of the things that we we really cover right up front. Um, I think the only thing that we haven't covered is just there's so much. Uh, there's so much FOMO out there. There's so oh, much yeah. fear, right? Um, and particularly when you're not an expert in technology, you don't have a technology strategist um, sitting around to ask questions of, it can be really easy to get swept up in, you know, well, my peer organization just got the shiny thing and I want the shiny thing. Don't ever be ashamed of your spreadsheets. Don't ever be ashamed of your tool, your Airtable and um, you know, your little green light and, and those tools. If you can, if you are using the technology to further your mission and your fundraising, then you're doing it right. It's only when it stops being a help and starts being a hindrance that you need to think about something else. And I, I just really like to help people hopefully encourage them to just take a breath 
because there's so much out there that makes us think we need to get the next thing. And you know what? If the tool is serving your needs right now, that's awesome. I love the word awesome. That is a fabulous way for us to close the conversation. Jen Taylor is the founder of Deep Y Design. Jen, thanks so much for taking the time to talk with me today. Steve, thank you so much. Really appreciate the opportunity. 